According to a weird fact, what does not kill you actually makes you stronger. And again, there's something about a regimented lifestyle that meets the eye. It um, shapes and molds you into the confines of a certain environment and to an extent, I can say it works on your psychic. Three weeks of waking up earlier than usual, doing things as planned by the authorities and maintaining a sense of decorum so you don't go astray and be used as a fall guy is really a tall mountain to climb. To some, it's a walk in the park, but to others, it's um, a new way of life altogether. I won't stop but keep eulogizing the moment I spent in the famous black gold camp in Jekundoka government area of Kaduna state. My experience was what the why. It was worth it. In and out of camp had a bit of everything. My name is William Springs Chibiki and this is Coco Hops. This episode won't get started if I don't wish you all a happy new month. Uh, of course, it's a monthly episode and this is my NYSE diary, the episode 4, the journey to reality. It's one week gone already and we are beginning to get acclimatized with campaign activities. And it was one fateful afternoon after lunch we were resting from the strenuous and electrifying atmosphere of camp when um, we heard the sound of the beagle. Kurege, who happens to be the camp announcer, um, used the camp OBS and um, blew it out of anger, signifying emergency. You know, let me draw your mind back to the last episode when I told you that there was no sort of hard drugs allowed in camp. You remember? Yeah, well, it, it turned out to be false. That's because um, when we heard the sound of the beagle, it was as if someone was trying to constantly bang on our door while um, trying to have our afternoon siesta. You know, some core members began murmuring. You know, some others were mumbling. <laughs> while all of those things were going on, majority have already started jostling down to the parade ground. And on getting to the parade ground, we were signaled by the soldiers who had a um, smeared look on their faces. Actually, they, they never looked happy right from day one when we went into camp. None of the soldiers were looking happy. I don't know if that was the instruction given to them, but um, they were not um, all that outgoing with us, but at least they were doing their job. So with the smeared face on, on the soldiers, um, they instructed that we sit on the ground. You know, you look at this thing and you're all dressed in white, white shirt, your salala white, your shirt, your stocking and your, your shoe, all white. And then the ground in Chikun was muddy. Now you imagine, why, why, why should I sit on the ground and I would, I would just stain all of my clothes? So there was a general echo of um, disapproval from um, core members who were trying to decode what the problem is and at the same time protect their whites from death, of course. My friend, will you sit on the floor? Everyone was in shock. That was the RSM who walked in with the camp coordinator, Mr. B.B. Balama, and um, two other haggard-looking guys. We've not seen them before in camp. You know, we've not seen those boys in camp before. So immediately we heard that voice, we knew it was the RSM, and we all sat on the floor, according to our platoons. 
and that was when the whole saga started. Um, soliloquizing and um, speaking from one ear to another, we were trying to inquire if any of us knew what was about to happen. Unfortunately, nobody knew. But while we were sitting on the floor, you know, we are still whispering from one ear to another, you know, in, in silence. And then we did that so that nobody notices that we are talking to ourselves. Bibi Balamas instructed the two boys who were with him and other soldiers and the RSM to go into the crowd and fish out the two guys. It turned out that two guys, two core members were involved in hard drugs. They've sent um, those two boys to go get them drugs so that they can use them in the camp. So why those guys were moving from rule to rule, platoon by platoon, you know, you know this thing where you don't want to be the unfortunate one and be pointed. You know that feeling, you, you, you get what I'm talking about, right? So why those guys were moving from rule to rule, we, we squeeze our faces so that, oh, come on, I'm not amongst you, don't point me, don't, don't, don't point me, don't fish me out. So while they were doing all of those, while those things were happening, the boys happened to fish out the two core members. And then I took a deep breath of um, relief, you know, this sigh of relief where you know that, oh, it's all over and I'm not amongst them. And immediately the camp coordinator ordered Ariasam and two other soldiers take them to their hostels for them to pack their bags and leave the camp. This uh, means that that's the end of their service year. So they're not going to be certified as um, NYC members. I don't know if um, that was all planned, but um, it's, it was actually a wake-up call to others in camp to, to comport themselves and to not get involved. You know, for those who wanted to get involved in other social ill in camp, to hold their fault and hold their peace that, oh, the serious business is about to begin. In all of those, in all of what happened, that was the last we saw of those boys in camp. But you know this thing, you know how the story, you, you know how the, you know how human beings behave, you know how a community kind of thing, you know what these things mean. The talk of that incident will still happen, it will still go on in camp. People will still talk about it. It, it will still go from mouth to ears and you know, people will still gossip about it because it was indeed a surprising incident. You know, while we are still trying to simmer the shock from the incident that took place when the hunter becomes the hunted, we were retiring back to our hostels. And then um, I and other guys from my hostel, I was in the obedient hostel. The obedient hostel was the best hostel. You, you know, if you served in NY uh, at um, the Black Gold Camp in Chikun 2017, you should know that obedient hostel, of course, we were the popular. The most popular because we had everything. The noisy ones was there, the, 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 the intelligent ones, you know, everything. People who were involved in camping activities, most of them, a majority, we are found in the obedient hostel. So, while we were retiring back to our hostel, we caught a laundry guy trying to move a couple's bag. As if the whole drama was not enough, we got into another one. Ah! The other city. The thing happened in, of course, my hostel, which is the obedient hostel, and the person whose bag was taken was in my platoon, the platoon 9. You know, this thing is, it's, it's surprising because the laundry guys, uh, we are the only set of persons allowed, um, aside the soldiers, to enter our hostels. They were leveraged the, the permission to come into our hostels and, you know, communicate with the guys, take our clothes for ironing and washing. And since then, since they started, since they started coming into our hostels, we've had cases of um, missing items.
being intelligent guys, you know, yes, the guys from the obedient hostel were very intelligent. We mandated two other um, two other guys from our hostels to Mount Century, you know, something they call Century, where you 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 instruct two persons to watch guard while others are doing their business. So those two guys happen to be the ones who caught the laundry guy trying to move a bag. But before then, we've had someone um, someone's shoe missing, someone's towel, someone's um, what was that? In someone's boots, yes, yeah, someone's NYC boot, and then a certificate. Imagine, what do you want to do with someone someone else's certificate? And then when we caught this guy, it was all noisy. People were shouting, "Whoa, whoa you know, you know this thing where people were excited. Yes, we've caught the thief today." The hunter became what the hunted. So we took this guy to a corner. We don't want to involve the soldiers. We wanted to actually recover the items which we are stolen from our hostel. So we took this guy to a corner. I was amongst them actually. So we took this guy to a corner and then we began to interrogate him. While the interrogation was going on, some other guys, you know this thing now, these um we call it um, the jungle justice. Some other guys we are slapping, hitting. Then we ordered not to. We we, we said no, that, that shouldn't be the best way to to get the truth out of him. We should hold our peace. While we are trying to interrogate the guy, he said the other items he has stolen we are in his shop. Wow, that's audacious if you ask me. So why he had confessed to all of those crimes, we now told him to lie down. And then we flung, we gave him a lashing 26 strokes of the cane. And after that, um, I can remember Anderson. Yes, Anderson, if you are listening to this, you can remember what happened that day. Anderson and one other guy followed the laundry guy to his shop and then they recovered all the items. And that was how the certificates, the boots, the towel, and um, one other thing I can't remember now was recovered. You know, things really happened in camp and it was quite um, an experience knowing that those guys who we are trying to lend the hand of support to you, who we are trying to render services to you, we are actually stealing from you. Isn't it weird? It's very weird. Aha! The relocation saga. You know, um, being from the southern part of Nigeria, most remarks and information we hear about the north is uh, nothing to write home about. I remember I alluded something like this, you know, something of this sort in the episode one where I said I was um, actually pleased and at the same time surprised with the reception I got from the people in the north and how my stay there changed the whole information and the whole mentality or I have been fed with. You could say it's neither here nor there but that um, opinions and experiences differ. But in summary, most negative things we are told about the north wasn't the whole truth and since most persons we are working with what they've heard before reporting to camp about um i would say three over four population in the camp wanted to relocate <laughs> yeah you know what it's all about so when the announcement on relocation was made virtually everybody wanted to leave Kaduna states you know you're from the southern part of nigeria you're from the west and you normally we have oh the north they are the terrorists you know something like that terrorists boko haram you know kidnapping and stuff like that and then you hear that they have harsh weathers, they are not friendly, it's always sunny, the heat is too much in the north, and you barely find people who understand English. So all of those things, you know, it was a factor actually. And I had that in mind while traveling to Kaduna State. I was like, okay, when I get there, after the three weeks in camp, I'm going to surely relocate. Personally, I wanted to serve in Akwaibom State. 
Wanambra State. That's because, of course, the government gave monthly allowances. They pay monthly allowances aside the federal government allowances. It was quite interesting, yeah. You know, you collect money from the state and you collect from federal government. That's going to be something for a co-member. So, when I went to the relocation point, the crowd was scary. It was so, so scary. The line, let me give you an illustration of how the line, the, the queue I saw was from the camp gates to the parade ground. Now, if you said in Kaduna State, in Chikun, you should know what it means that from the camp gates to the parade ground, that is the queue, that, that's the line, the number of persons queued up for relocation. It caught the eyes of uh, the camp um, coordinators and they were like, they reported to Bibi Balama. And Bibi Balama being someone who is um, quite disciplined, immediately called for a meeting afterwards. But what happened at the relocation spot? You know, I began to see some kind of theatrics from people. We are, you know, someone who is not actually sick, but the person calling, calls, calls in sick and then, um, oh, I have asthma. And then they interviewed the girl. So they asked the girl who actually had asthma and um, she couldn't explain what it was all about. So they said, where is your inhaler? She brought it out. And they were like, who gave it to you? She could not explain it and they said, step aside. So that was how the officials in charge of um, relocation screened majority of persons, of core members who we are trying to relocate out of the line. And if I say there are a hundred persons queued up for relocation, just 10 were selected to leave Kaduna State. But do you know, do you, do you know what's surprising? Do you know what, what really happened? At the day of the meeting with everyone in camp, including core members, Bibi Balama said, nobody will leave my camp. And hence you're in Kaduna State, you will be here because the hospitality is the best. And since you have come to Kaduna State, none of you will leave my camp when I am here. You know this thing and then the whole disappointment and everything, people who are ready to leave. You know the stuff where I, I, I'm, I'm excited that I'm going to leave this place, but yet your hopes are dashed in the mud. So yes, nobody actually left Kaduna State. And when Bibi Balama says something, if he makes a decree, everyone in camp stands by it. Like I said, if Bibi Balama says anything, people stand by it. This means no camp carnival, no bonfire night. Hmm. I think I've said enough about our camp coordinator, Bibi Balama. If you were in Kaduna State in 2017, you should know that Bibi Balama is a disciplinarian. Now, following the recent activity of um, relocation and um, some core members dismissed because of drugs involvement, we were banned from conducting the gin carnival and bonfire night in camp. Mm. So, Bibi Balama being a core Muslim, was uh, he was so skeptical about our lifestyle and the sort of um, immoral involvement or things that we go down on that said night. You know, of course, being a religionist, he, he wouldn't be in attendance and hence, he opted for a cooking competition, you can imagine. Coppers cooking. Ah, they want to cut short our youths and our excitement. Instead of the carnival thing, the whole music and the razzmatazz, we were resorted to cooking. Ah, but what do we do? When the announcement was made, it didn't go down well with us because um, majority have set their minds, I mean majority of core members, 
have set their minds that um, on that day it's going to be it's, it's going to be interesting it's going to be exciting because um, majority I mean majority every member have made adequate preparations but, but what do we do what do we do we, we we had to obey the command of the authorities and um, we therefore had a platoon meeting we taxed ourselves a thousand naira each in preparations for the competition now different meals we have made and the table set per platoon so then and we had a test that someone was going around testing the meal to see if it was tasty and um, you know something like that is a competition actually we don't know what it was all about we've not seen such a thing before in camp you know so the guy was going around he was testing the different food prepared by the different platoons and at the end of the day no result was called you so who won the competition that was a huge disappointment that because nobody knew who, who came out tops in the contest well that aside in camp every day was designated for a platoon to prepare camp meal yes in camp every every platoon today might be day for platoon one to cook for everybody in camp you know something like that and when it was our turn the platoon nine yeah you know what i said about the platoon nine already we were the best we made the best out of it you know from our cooking to our service it was top-notch we were the first and um, the only platoon to cook with chicken in camp other times we were eating fish we were eating um, meat majority of the time we eat fish in camp so um, it was um, nothing exciting but when we, we when we made our meal it was made with chicken and our food was so tasty that uh, everyone gave us kudos yeah you guys did great we love your food including the soldiers and camp coordinators so you mean platinum always the best yeah the rest is history. there's something about my platoon that uh, makes me feel we were special we had a bit of everything we have everything when i mean everything the best guys in camp we had um most persons who we are involved in camping activities you know we were so coordinated and it was evident in the way we handled things in camp remember in the last episode i told you we won the nyc idol yes and now we also won the drama and dancing competition okay and then we came second in volleyball and track event yes there was track events in camp so we came at tops second position is not is not bad after all it's not bad you know from so for all of these activities all of the activities actually came to an end when you go to NYSC, you know that um, between the closing stages of camp, you engage in social activities. So all of these activities, volleyball and everything came to an end. And it was time to report to our respective allocated PPA. Being the last day in camp, um, there was no big goal. Yeah, it was a free day. So the last week in camp is always a free day. You wake up whenever you like. <laughs> yeah, no parade. You wake up whenever you like you do but the major thing is you must go to collect your meal because once you miss the time for meals nobody's going to serve you afterwards so the only thing we kept to time was our meal time so you go there and you collect your meal if you want that if you want to eat actually eat camp food you go and collect it but every other thing just do your normal thing so you wake up 
whenever you like, do whatever you like. No bigo, nobody to to to, to sound the bigo very early in the morning as at three or four a.m. You know, nobody to scold you. Hey, go and put on this. So everybody was free in camp. But you know what I said earlier about a regimented lifestyle? It's um, it's shaping and molding to the confines of the environment you find yourself. So most of us, most of us still wake up that very early in the morning. You know, so you can at least buy hot water. Yes, the environment, Chikun was so cold. We were in the heart of Chikun, in the middle of a very big forest. That was where the camp was located. So you know how cold Chikun would be very early in the morning. From 12 a.m., it's usually very cold. So boys come out to buy hot water at 15 naira per bucket to, you know, to lessen the temperature and get yourself started for the day. So, um, on the last day in camp, the last day which is after the day of parade, everybody has been dismissed. It's time for you to know where you are going or it's time to know your fate. <laughs> so, we packed our bags and took our baths and then, you know this thing where people want to leave a school, the last day in school, you you want to make sure that and the next set coming into school we know that i was actually here do you do you understand what i mean you get a feeling where the last day in secondary school the last day in university i i need to crest my name on the wall i need to design my name on the place where i sat you know to let the next person who is going to use that spot know that oh this person was actually here so yeah that was it so guys, we are writing their names, different nicknames on the wall. Some we are cresting on the, the bunk, you know, some on the floor. It was quite, quite experience. It was exciting because people, I don't know where the marker came out from, but people were passing marker from one hand to another. Oh, you don't, you don't finish. Let me use it. You don't finish, you know, something like that. It was a very exciting moment. It was an exciting moment. And then um, after that, after that, we have already collected our letters, yes. We have already collected our posting letters from our platoon leaders and people who we are not emotionally attached to anything or anyone within and in camp it, it was it was like another moment for a moment of fun for them that's because everybody was excited yay it's time to go home you know something like that and i could remember how boisterous rowdy and unorganized the the moment was kelechi if you're listening to this episode you should know what it was like because I know that we bumped into ourselves and we, you know, the whole drama, the whole thing we did. And then I opened my letter and I saw the inscription, Government Secondary School, Galadima, Kauru, local government area. And I was like, Jesus, where is this place? I don't know where this is. It's, it's almost sounding like the end of the world. <laughs> you know, I opened it and I closed it back. I was like, no, my eyes are not seen clearly. I cleaned my eyes. I opened it and I was like, hey. It's true. I'm going to call the local government. I said, okay, well, no problem. It's quite it's a new adventure. Let me go see what it has in stock for me. So I stood at Kimbo for a moment, looking to the left and looking out to see if I can find the bus for Kauru local government, of course. Many buses were parked in the compound and then coppers littered everywhere. You know, one would find it difficult to pick to pick out a vehicle assigned to take coppers. To their local government area of assignment so while i was there i was tired already i said no if i continue standing here i'm not going to find the bus that will take me down to Kaurun. so i picked my bag and i started walking towards the direction of the car parks 
So when I went, I was looking for Kauru, you know, I was looking to the left, to the right. On unfortunately for me, I I saw the bus with the inscription on in front of the driver's seat, Kauru. I said, thank God. So I dropped my bag inside. And that was where I met Kelechi. Kelechi, you know how it was like. So when I met Kelechi, Kelechi, well, I hear you. I say, yes, I'm here. You know, go Kauru too. Yeah, me too. I go, you know. We were excited that we are going to the same local government. I and Kelechi, uh, we used, we were in the opposite bunk in Obedient Hostel. So we are so excited. And then Kelechi told me something that um, he said to himself that he was going to serve with me in the same place. And I was like, oh, wow, that's quite a coincidence. It really came to pass. <laughs> so Kelechi, I told Kelechi, nobody did this boss, so what do we do? And he said, let's go fish. Let's go look out for our people who, 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 who serve in the same local government with us. I said, fine. And then he picked the, took the placard from the boss and then raised it up and we are shouting, Kauruka. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That moment was exciting. It was very, 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 it's memorable. It was memorable. Kelechi is, Kelechi is, it's, it's, it's um, one of a kind. He's very, very active. Kelechi is hyperactive. Never a dull moment with Kelechi. So we are there shouting Kauru and fortunately Gideon, Jacob, Praise, Ruth, Michael, and another Michael, Dele, and of course Kelechi, all those persons I have met them in camp. Most of them were in the same platoon with me, some we are in the same social crew with me, and then the others we are in the same hostel with me. So I'm, I've already familiarized myself with those people. Like I said, fortunately, we, we are going to the same local government. That's interesting, yes. So all of them came and I were like, wow, praise, you're here. Ah, Gideon, you're here. Ah, Ruth, you're here, you know. It was a scene we knew ourselves from ages, you know, from Adam and it was the best moment because um, we were actually happy that we'll be serving in the same local government. And trust me, while we are headed into the bus, we asked the driver, how long will it take, um, how long will it take us to Kauru local government? He was like, I'm sorry, but if you've not eaten, go and find something to eat. That was when we looked at ourselves and we're like, are we going to the end of the world? Does it mean we are going to take another long seven hour journey? Well, he refused to tell us the time, he refused to tell us the time it's going to take for us to get down to Karuloka government. But um, immediately he said that thing, we headed out to the canteen and we had something to eat. And when we came back, we said, driver, let us go. And the journey was, it had a bit of everything. It had a, the, the sad moment where like, we never reach. It had the exciting moment where we are gisting, talking. It had the silence moment where Nobody was talking and everybody was, some persons were sleeping and some others were just looking into their phones, you know, something like that. Some others were looking to check, some others were checking their bags to see if um, everything they had, they came to camp with was complete. But guess what? It took us one, it took us 30 minutes before we got to Kaduna Metropolis from Chikun. So when we got to Kaduna Metropolis, we are happy that, oh yes, we've not been to Kaduna, um, local uh, Kaduna before, so we don't know anywhere around. So we're excited that, oh, this is a place. The driver said, no, 
we still have another two hours to come and that was when we shouted. <laughs> two hours! Yes. It was a bit of everything like I said. We were excited and at the same time not happy because we never knew where we were headed. I don't know if I'm going to come up with an episode 5, but whatever the case, I need to tell us my experience in the outside world, my experience when I got to my PPA. I don't know if it was the best, but I know that I made the best out of it. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode. I want to give a big shout out to those guys, Gideon, Jacob, Praise, Ruth, Michael, the other Michael, Dilly, and of course, Kelechi, who serve in the same local government with me. They know why I'm giving out a shout out. They were the best guys. Yes. And to you out there, my listeners, I want to say thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you don't know what is happening here, I want you to listen to the episode one. That was where it all started. And the episode two, I gave you a clue on what was going to happen. The episode three, I told you everything that happened to me in camp. And this is the episode four. So when you sum all of them together, you are going to get the whole gist. Have you listened to our last episode? If you have not, I want to implore you to listen to it because it was educating. It was um, a kind of an eye-opener to those who have not left their location of birth. There are persons who, from birth, they've not moved out of that particular location and hence, they don't know how to handle a totally new environment. So we gave some tips on how to comport yourself and handle a new environment altogether. If you've not listened to it, after you're done with this, you scroll down and listen to Handling the New Environment. It's the episode two. And I bet you, you're going to love it. My name is William Spence Chibiki and this is Coco Hops. Remember, whatever does not kill you will make you stronger. Bye-bye.